play action for Kirk from under center, straight drop. Kirk trying to win it to Thielen, caught at the five. Cousins, Thielen, 42 on the Saints. Kirk takes the snap, looks right, fade left, end zone, and it is caught. Touchdown! Hello, hello, let's go. It's your man, Flip Mozzie, and thank you for spending 15 minutes with Miles Gorham and me today. We're here in June to continue the Vikings 2020 roster preview series. It's the make or break players on this show. Last week, Matt Anderson and I talked Dalvin Cook, DeFady Odenabo, and Jeff Gladney. This week, really no major news to report. So I guess we're stuck with Dalvin Cook again at the top of the show. The latest Dalvin thought the Vikings' latest offer was disrespectful. They seem to be pretty far apart on terms right now. Nobody wants to pay a running back, even though you have to ignore some pretty obvious things about the Vikings to get there. But hey, Miles, we're going to look forward. So tell me, Mr. Gorm, it's week one, September 13th. There's no fans at U.S. Bank Stadium. You're sitting in the basement of that four-story house you live in. (laughs) Where and how does the Vikings offense succeed without both Stephon Diggs and without Dalvin Cook? Well, I think the first part, you would see the bigger drop-off with missing Stephon Diggs and the simple fact that he played the hardest position in terms of like skill skill wise, I'm not even not including quarterback. He played the hardest position out of anybody on the team. Uh, that that X position, that wide receiver one, where he was asked to win one on one matchups and man against man coverage, press coverage more than anybody on the team. So he was asked to do a lot of different things, and and then also be the deep threat for this offense. So he was asked to do a lot more to win a lot more of his um, his matchups than than anybody else on the team. Mm-hmm. That includes Adam Thielen. That includes, you know, the Dalvin Cook, Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith, juniors of the world. So he was asked to do a lot. So I think you, you're going to see the obvious drop off from that position, that X position. Even if um, Justin Jefferson is coming in to fill it in, I think he'll do fine. But I, he's obviously mm-hmm. not going to replicate and win those one-on-one matchups the way Stephon Diggs did. Without Dalvin Cook, though, that one, I think we've seen this offense be successful without Dalvin Cook. And that doesn't say that that's not even to say that Dalvin Cook's not a talented player. We know he is. We know Dalvin Cook makes the offense better, but can the offense still function well without him? And I think within this offensive context, they can. Alexander Madison showed pretty well last year in his limited role as a, you know, as Dalvin Cook's backup. I wouldn't even call him like a one two punch. It was more of like a, a handcuff situation because. Dalvin Cook took majority of the uh, of the carries, uh, and he obviously was out there in third down conversions as well. Um, so I think um, missing Dalvin Cook, yes, it would hurt because he adds an explosive dynamic ability to the run game, and he's really good in the screen game. But I also think if they were to to miss him even for a couple of weeks, they can go without him. They they could find a way to win games because at the end of the day, the play action. The running, like the ever, the defenses are going to know that the Vikings are running the ball, no matter who's back there. So they know they're going to try to run the ball. So that, to me, just no matter what helps your play action pass game, 
because the the ability to to fake the the run is still going to lure defenses into sucking them in to to biting on the run fakes, and then with that, it's still gonna it's going to continue to open up the play action pass, which you know Adam Thielen thrived in last year. Um, he continued to to work the middle of the field, the intermediate parts of the field. But again, where I worry the most is what does the downfield look, deep threat look like? They brought in Tajay Sharp, they have Justin Jefferson, and they have Ola B.C. Johnson as like the de facto like wide receiver two, three, and four. And none of those guys are really considered deep threats. They're not really guys that are going to stretch the field. Justin Jefferson can stretch the field, and I think he can help he can help fill that role a little bit. But as a rookie, I think that's going to be really difficult for him to kind of replicate the the role that Diggs played, where he was consistently beating man man coverage. Like I said earlier, he's consistently being the go-to deep threat. He was the guy taking coverage away from Adam Thielen, taking coverage away from Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith. Um, so can Justin Jefferson early on in his career, especially right away as a rookie, help take away some of that attention away from an Adam Thielen? Um, because he's going to need to. Otherwise, if he doesn't, that's just going to make life harder for Kirk Cousins and, and Adam Thielen and the other pass catchers. So yeah. So at the end of the day, I think the biggest you, you're going to see a bigger drop off from missing digs than I think than you would Dalvin Cook. So you know, Miles, I, I understood a lot of what you said there, but what gets me is we're so far away from it right now from where what we remember about 2019 and this this offseason has jaded what we're looking for on the offense but let me just remind everyone we need to make progress on offense this year 2019 the offense was good eighth in points per game six in points per drive we're trying to improve on that, not just maintain what we had in 2019, uh, not be inconsistent like the Vikings were down the stretch and in the playoffs. We're looking for a top five unit. That's where the best teams in the NFL were. That's where the conference champions were. That's where the Vikings were in 2009 and 1998. They weren't just a good offense. They were great. And don't you dare tell me we can lean on the defense more, not in 2020. We all know that side of the ball needs work too. So they need to improve, not just maintain. Tell me, Miles, okay, okay isn't good enough. So tell me, how do they improve? That's the tough part. I mean, obviously, I think another year in the system is a, is a way to help everybody understand the offense. I think it's a way to, for everybody to gel a little bit better, to be more cohesive in the offense. So I think with that, that helps improve people's play a little bit more. Maybe last year, you know, you're, you're, you're starting to pick up the offense again. So you're, you're kind of slow, a little slower to react to things. You're a little slower to pick things up. But now I think another year in the system, in the same system, same verbiage, you can just add on to that you can add more plays more wrinkles to the offense because of things that you weren't able to do last year you can do now because you're adding you're not um you're not creating something new you're adding to something um that is that's existing so i think there's a way that they could be better in terms of like the players they have though i don't think they're going to be better than what they had last year Uh, well we can agree we can agree madison isn't an upgrade over dalvin cook he's not Justin Jefferson as a rookie isn't an upgrade right. over Stephon Diggs. Right. Oh yeah. Well, I so, think what we can agree on is 
maybe that their their overall depth at wide receiver is better than it was in the past, but the top two wide receivers they currently have are not better than what they've had. Right. And, and maybe that's where there's just a disconnect with me and how upset I am at this offseason. Right. When I and when I look at these two moves in particular, is I'm not looking to just have the same 2019 offense. I was hoping for progress. I was, I was satisfied but not content, as as Yinka always says. So my thing is, if the Vikings can't expect improvement at the roster talent level, if they can't expect Alex Madison or Stephon Dig or sorry Justin Jefferson to improve over what we had last year. The offense has to look a lot different. That's what I've been begging for. I've been begging for the Vikings to pass more to the receivers. Less than half of their passing attempts went to the receivers last year. That's different from any other team because they were so good at it. They were the best team passing to receivers. Top number one, 10 yards per attempt. And they should have been passing to receivers like 60% of the time. Uh, I, I share that statistic and people say, remember 2018, bad things happened when we passed more. John DeFilippo was trash. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying anything about run versus pass. I, too, hate John DeFilippo. Well, that was a different I'm, offense than what this is now, too. Right, right. But I, I'm cool with parts of this Vikings offense, including how often they run the ball, to be honest. What I'm saying is when we do pass, the ball's got to go to different people. We led the league in passes to running backs last year. And if hypothetically Dalvin Cook isn't here, that's got to change. Uh, you look at the other run-heavy teams, the the Titans pass the receivers 60% of the time. The Bills pass to the wide receivers 66% of the time. Again, these are run-heavy teams looking at who they pass to when they pass. Uh, San Francisco and Baltimore, two more run-heavy teams. They didn't pass the wide receivers that much, but they threw to their tight ends, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, more than our Vikings did. So, Yeah, Miles, yeah those my, are the best tight ends yeah, in the league. Exactly. So, Miles, my question is, should the Vikings go with the Tennessee-Buffalo-type offense, run-heavy, pass the receivers, or do they move to Baltimore-San Francisco run heavy pass to tight ends. Well, I mean, so obviously, it, like you said, things change. With Stephon Diggs being gone, things change. They should have been in that 60-plus percentile passing to wide receivers because they had arguably the best wide receiver duo in the league. So there is no excuse to not pass to those two more than they than they were. Um, those mm -hmm. two should have been the catalyst of the offense, not Dalvin Cook. I'm not going to try to argue with anybody. Those two are overall like have bigger impacts in the in the game of football than than Dalvin Cook is it's just facts at this point but at the same time I think if you know you're moving away from obviously Stefan Diggs Justin Jefferson's an unknown he's a rookie we don't know what how good he's going to be in the role that they're going to ask him to be in I think it's safe to say that you can expect Irv Smith to take a jump and do his, his second year in the league so you would hope that maybe he can be a guy that can take on a little bit more of that work that um, to help re replace Stephon Diggs. It doesn't have to be a one-for-one -one in, in replacing Stephon Diggs, but I think it, you also need guys that can be playmakers, guys that, guys that can run after the catch, guys that can uh, win one-on-one -on -one matchups. You know, guys can, you know, and Irv Smith can do that. Irv Smith can stretch the seam. He can stretch the field a little bit. So I think that's the kind of guy that you want to get more involved. 
Kyle Rudolph, I mean, we know how reliable he is. Um, so he's another guy that, I mean, yeah, getting him the ball is not a bad thing, but I also know that he's not the type of guy that's going to create after the catch. So he's the kind of guy that just gives you more of a, like a, a possession guy that like red zone threat guy to, I guess you could say, move the chains guy that, you know, is going to catch the ball, but anything more than that probably is a little bit, don't expect too much from that. So then you get into the, um, well, maybe then that means Adam Thielen sees a lot more targets. Okay. That's great. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's let him see more targets. I mean, we know how good he is. We, we don't know how good he's going to be without Stefan Diggs, but we know he's a really good receiver on his own in his own right. So that's the kind of guy you want to make sure that's getting the ball more often. Um, and then you jump into it with Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson doesn't need to replicate Stephon Diggs, but he does need to win his one-on-one matchups um, more often than not because in this offense, you're going to see he's going to see a lot of one-on-one matchups, especially since that defense is likely aren't going to be paying him as much of attention as they were Stephon Diggs. So he's going to have more opportunities to to see one-on-one coverage. Do you think we have more talent at tight end or wide receiver? Probably, um, well, it'd be it'd be wide receiver. Just the fact that Adam Thielen is that much better than everybody else on the roster in the skill mm-hmm. in the, at the skill position. So mm-hmm. it'd be wide receiver just because of Adam Thielen more than anything. It, yeah, it just seems like they need a huge year from Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson and Irv Smith Jr. to make this work. Agreed. And of course, Alex Madison, you know, he's got to be the truth. He's got to live up to expectations, even though they're reduced from what Dalvin Cook produced and and have a limited impact being a running back. I mean, we, we can't have a black hole there. He's at least got to be a replacement level player. So that's just our our summary of trying to look forward what the Vikings can look to do if they lose two of their major offensive weapons from 2019. Like I just said, it's going to have to be a difference in scheme. They're going to have to throw the ball more to tight ends and wide receivers, and they're going to need some more players, not just Madison and Jefferson to step up. It's going to have to be across across the offense, Uh, maybe even the offensive line, which brings us to our next segment, where we're going to select a make-or-break player for the 2020 Minnesota Vikings. Your favorite player. <laughs> a little bit of a spoiler there. And, and to be clear on what make-or-break is, the definition, here's my definition. These are players who must perform well in 2020, and if they don't, then they probably won't be on the team in 2021. So that's the players we're going to discuss. Here are the candidates. Linebacker, Eric Wilson. Offensive guard, Pat Elfline. Offensive tackle, Riley Reef, Defensive tackle, Shamar Steven. And wide receiver, Tajay Sharp. Miles, who are you picking from this these five players as the make or break player in 2020? I'm picking Riley Reef just for the simple fact that he plays the most important position out of all of the players mentioned, as well as the fact that he's going to have the biggest opportunity to start every, every snap of the, of the season at left tackle. Um, so to me, he has the biggest impact. So I think his is for me, the easy choice just because I don't think those other guys are going to have, have as big of an impact. Okay. And, and so that kind of explains why you picked him over the other guys. 
Now, Reef will be 32. Yep. Going into the 2020 year, he's been a different guy since coming over from the Detroit Lions, a worse player. Uh, most penalties allowed in his career in a season was in 2019, and he was tied for 30th in PFF's pass block efficiency. Tied for 30th, but he's getting paid like the 11th best best player in the position. Um, but that's total tackles, right? Not just left tackles versus right tackles, right? That is total tackles. Right. That is total okay. tackles. There you go, striking me back on Riley Reef. <laughs> But now Minnesota did just draft second round tackle Ezra Cleveland breathing down his neck. So what what does his production need to be? How does that compare to last year? Well, so I think with Riley Reef, I mean, what we've seen is his pass blocking has been always pretty consistent for the most part. I mean, obviously we've seen, I think people love to remember the bad, but then they ignore when he just consistently does his job, which he's done for the his basically duration of his Vikings career has been consistent. He hasn't, you know, he's ha again, had bad games. He's had bad snaps. Everybody has. He's not an elite player. There's, I would never argue that. I also think, but I also don't think he's a below average player either. I think he's definitely more in that like average to slightly above average type of player, left tackle in my opinion. And I don't, obviously, and, and I've always said this, the Vikings should find someone to replace him, but he's not a replaceable level player either he's not he's not so bad that he's easy to replace i think the vikings did well in, in adding ezra cleveland to the mix but i also think that that doesn't just mean that since ezra cleveland was a second round pick he's better than riley reef he's not right now 100 percent. there's no way that ezra cleveland is a better football player at left tackle than riley reef is right now that doesn't mean he can't be in the middle of the season doesn't mean he can't be down the road that's the hope but riley reef's overall for me his ability this season would need to be kind of on par with what he's been able to do. Obviously, if he can clean up some of the penalties, that's the, the biggest issue. That would be, if he could clean up some of those um, those holding penalties and such, I think you would see um, Riley Reef and the Vikings offensive line as a whole be better because of that. Okay, and so it sounds like you're pretty strongly suggesting that Riley Reef stays at left tackle to at least start the season. We don't have the off-season workout program right. in effect right now, so it's hard to to know what he does or what the Vikings' intentions are. But you see him as the left tackle right now. I do. I just, I again, like the uh, the no off-season is a big part of that. Do we know if the Vikings were going to consider moving him into left guard? We don't know that answer right now because we don't get to see it in the in minicamp. Um, but at the same time, like I said, left tackle is a more important position than left guard. Unless the Vikings truly believed that Ezra Cleveland was going to be a, a day one left, starting left tackle, which I don't know if they did. If they don't, then yes, Riley Reef should stay there because it's a more important position. I think you'd be best suited to potentially look at Ezra Cleveland maybe starting at guard to start and then eventually kick him out to left tackle because at least then he's getting in-game reps. He's working on his footwork. He's working on technique. He's doing all those things while also working on the, fl on the fly. He's getting those in-game reps. And people want to say, well, he's super light. He's not. He's 311 pounds. That's less, that's heavier than Riley Reef is. No, is he gonna be he's not gonna be stronger than Riley Reef because Riley Reef's 10 years older than he is. But at the same time, he's gonna he has the movement and athletic ability to move around like they asked their let their guards to do. And he's not asking to take on in this scheme, there's not as much true like power that he needs to have. It's more of being able to get in and work in space. 
and he's a good pass blocker. So we know that even against a, against a defensive tackle, he might get a little bit overpowered, but at the same time, he's good in pass protection. So I think, in my opinion, if they were to do it right now, uh, considering um, Ezra Cleveland at left guard might be a better fit to start the season. Now, if they want to adjust things as the season goes, injuries, whatever, that's fine. But I think Riley Reef gives you the best chance at having a competent left tackle to start the season. You know, Miles, I'm a I'm a big supporter of putting Ezra Cleveland at left tackle and just leaving him there. But that was the best explanation, the best reasoning I've heard to date of why you put Ezra Cleveland at left guard and keep Riley Reef at left tackle. Or you don't so, play Ezra Cleveland at all. I mean, I don't know. We, right. we haven't seen him. But I think if, right. if you're going to put it, put him somewhere, put him at a, a less important position while he can develop to le- allow him to help develop. Yeah, I agree. And so, but l- let's get back to Riley yeah. Reef now, because he's not off the hook. <laughs> so, so he's staying at left tackle. You got to tell me, what does success look like? What do you define as a make for Riley Reef? I mean... It's hard because with offensive linemen, like stats really aren't too much of a thing, right? It's not giving mm-hmm. up sacks. It's well more of, more of not giving up pressures than it is sacks because sacks don't always just equate to like it's not always the offensive lineman's fault that a, a quarterback is sacked. Mm-hmm. But I think his run blocking hasn't been great. It's been meh the last couple of seasons, and especially last year, I think he could be better in that. We obviously know he's not as athletic as. Um, like a Brian O'Neill, he's not as athletic as an Ezra Cleveland. Some of these other um, offensive linemen the Vikings have in this zone-heavy scheme. So I think that could hurt him a little bit, and that could be what's been holding him back from being a better run blocker. But at the same time, um, he's pretty solid in pass coverage. I think the hard part is we know what Riley Reef is. There's we've we've seen so much of it. Like he is who he is. Do I expect like a major drop off? No. I think he's going to be consistently good. Um, left tackle to what he's been, but I, I have a hard time seeing him be better as an overall left tackle than what he's been based off age, based off of everything we've seen. But at the same time, I don't think that means that he's uh like I said, I don't mm-hmm. think that makes him replaceable yet. So basically he's got a number one, stay on the field, yep. not talking about injury, but I mean, if they're benching this guy yeah. for Ezra Cleveland, that's a bad sign. Is, yep in terms of Riley Reef, in terms of our entire offensive line. And, you know, how many how many bad games did he have last year? Five or six? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if it's that. Like, did he have... Maybe, maybe more like four. Maybe more like, like four. Yeah, bad, I think bad's a... It's a, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe maybe we're just looking for less of those ugly moments because right. yeah. Riley Reef definitely, he got his ass kicked by the Bears. Yep got his ass kicked by the Packers, didn't play well against the 49ers. So if we're seeing a lot of those types of games early, maybe that would be kind of a break. Would would, you say where he's not cutting it? Yeah, that'd be an indicator for me that, hey, Riley Reef's no longer like a viable left tackle. Maybe it would be better to put him in at left guard because as of right now, Riley Reef is still one of the the best, as one of the top five offensive linemen on this roster. Mm Mm-hmm. In my opinion, right now, from what we've seen and what we know, he's probably the second best. Um, obviously, we know Brian O'Neill is the best offensive lineman on the team, but then the rest of the guys on the roster are at at offensive line are such question marks. I mean, Drew Samia at right guard, we don't have no idea outside of the game against the Bears, which he was 
solid at. Uh, first round pick last year, uh, Garrett, Garrett Bradbury. Bradbury. Wow, Garrett Bradbury, the center. Like he was very not he was not very good last year as a rookie. So you would hope he would take that next step, and he's going to be a better player too, which helps the guys around him. But then at the same time, Pat Pat Elfline wasn't any good at left guard, so he doesn't help Bradbury or or Reef. So there is this like so many there's so many question marks with this offensive lineman in the middle, especially. But at least what we do know is that at, at both left tackle and right tackle, they have good players. Again, Brian O'Neill is the best of them, but they have good players there. It's the middle, in my opinion. That's where the, the real question marks are. Do you think Riley Reef ends 2020 as the second best offensive lineman? I hope not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but to answer your question, um, no. I, do, I, I just think okay. somebody's going to I think somebody's going to take a step up and within that unit to be the second best offensive lineman on the team. Okay. Well, with that said, do you want Reef back for 2021? No. I no? think I think with all things that we've seen based off his contract, his it's easy to get out of his contract next year. You brought it you drafted Ezra Cleveland for a reason. It was and everybody thinks that that means that it has to be this year, but I think it's more about the future, which makes perfect sense. You're planning for beyond 2020, not just 2020, but you're you're planning on for 2021 and beyond. That's Ezra Cleveland's opportunity there to take that left tackle spot and you you kick those that high number off the books okay well you heard it here first riley reef make or break season for the vikings left tackle and if you don't cut it you're gone might be gone anyways it's a young man's game and he'll be 32 33 years old I think that's a great summary miles you ready to move on from reef do we have to talk about that guy anymore <laughs> no no let's do it let's move on all right, so my make-or-break player from that group, I'm going with the receiver, Tajay Sharp. I'm excited to hear about this one. I'm picking him because there's a lot of reasons to knock Tajay, and there's a lot of reasons to like him. He sticks out to me because he's on that cheap one-year, $1 million prove-it deal. He flashed in his rookie contract with the Tennessee Titans, but that was 2016, long time ago. Uh, he lost all of 2017 due to injury. And uh, I think one understated fact with Tajay is this is a new player in the league, so he impresses his rookie year, is injured in 2017, and now you look here, he's in 2020. He's on his fourth offensive coordinator in four seasons in the NFL. So every time a new coordinator came into Tennessee, they drafted a wide receiver over him. They drafted Corey Davis over him. They drafted AJ Brown over him. He looks like a guy who made the most of the few opportunities he got. I personally liked him as the second wide receiver ahead of BC Johnson. But then again, the Vikings, they did the same thing the Titans did. They draft a rookie wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, to play in front of Sharp. So now Tajay is in a fight to be the wide receiver three or the wide receiver four. I think that's pretty compelling given all the things we talked about with the Vikings offense. Yeah, so where do you think he slots in then? Because like we, like you said, within this offense, there's a lot of 12 personnel. So two tight ends, two wide receivers, one or two running backs, two, 12 or 22 personnel like they like to use a fullback um so how do you think Tajay Sharp slides into that like where do you think he fits in that role if they're gonna be playing a lot more two receiver sets 
that's a great field. question. Yeah, that's a great question, Miles. And this is one of the things that goes back to the conversation about is there going to be a difference in scheme with Gary Kubiak? Because maybe that's the way we need to go. On you, you talked about two receiver sets versus three receiver sets. I'm going to cite this article on The Athletic from Arif Hassan and Chad Graff where they're talking about the wide receiver depth. And, and this is, Arif gets straight to the point here. I'm just going to read a paragraph. So he's coming in talking about the wide receiver depth chart. He says, before anything else, we got to talk about the Vikings' confidence in playing two receiver sets. The Vikings generated more first down per play, more yards per play, more rushing yards per carry, and more passing yards per attempt in three receiver sets than they did in two receiver sets. That holds true if you only look at first and 10, if you exclude red zone plays, if you exclude the second half. There's not a situation that Arif looked at where the Vikings were more successful in two receiver sets than they were in three receiver sets. So even though they had two good tight ends last year, they had CJ Ham. They were better overall with a third receiver on the field. Even when they lost Adam Thielen, it didn't matter. They were always better with three receivers on the field. So Gary Kubiak, what are you going to do? What do you think about that, Miles? I mean, I so to me, I think the Rams run probably one of my favorite offenses in the league. They're consistently running three wide receivers. Because I think they, under, and while also still running the ball effectively and a lot, I think the Rams are the type of prototype that I would love to see the Vikings kind of emulate in the three wide receivers. Because you're always you have three three major weapons on the field. You create you and you can do so many things when you have three receivers on the field. You can mismatch. You can create mismatches and move guys all around the field um, and find those mismatches for like a guy like an Adam Thielen right now. You can get Justin Jefferson in the slot away from some press coverage if you think that's a problem for him. You can find ways to scheme him open a little bit easier as a rookie just as he continues to develop. There's also ways, because with that, teams are going to have to have lighter personnel in the field, so they're going to have a an extra DB on the field rather than a linebacker. That extra linebacker off the field means probably a guy that's a little easier to block, an easier guy to run over if you're Dalvin Cook or Alexander Madison. So there's a little in the run game. So there's a little bit of that. The lighter they are, but you're still effective because you still can run the ball out of that, out of those formations, while also being able to play action out of those heavily. And I think that's why I love the Rams' offense so much is because they can continuously run three receiver sets, but they still run the ball effectively. But then they play off their play action off of that schemes their receivers open effectively and a lot. And that's something I'd love to see the Vikings do. And with that. Tajay Sharp can run that X position. He could be that guy on the outside that can win some of those one-on-one matchups. He's not the obvious deep threat that Stephon Diggs is or was. He can still win his matchups. And that's an important uh, factor here because that X position that Diggs mm -hmm. is playing is such an important factor in this offense because it needs to win its one-on-one -on -one matchups because when you're the guy that's – you're on the line of scrimmage, you're going to see more press, more man coverage because – when the guys on the line of scrimmage is it's a little bit easier to, to um, get your hands on him as a DB. But when you have a guy that's playing the Z receiver for Adam Thielen, you can move him around the, the formation because he's not on the line of scrimmage. So you can move him wherever you need to. And then with that, you can scheme him into, into opportunities to get him open. 
you could do that. If you were to run three receiver sets and you had Tajay Sharp at X, you keep Adam Thielen at Z and you can move him around. You have Justin Jefferson running from the slot. He's a mismatch against most DBs, most linebackers, or whoever's trying to guard him. Or he might even be seeing more zone coverage. And in that case, he can eat up zone coverage. So there's so many ways, in my opinion, when you're in three receiver sets to find and create more mismatches, create more opportunities for everyone, everybody, not just one or two players. Oh, yeah. I, I think you said it all for me there. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'll honestly just say I'm in total agreement. I'll just add that I don't think many people realize this either. Tajay Sharp is the tallest wide receiver on the roster, on the roster right now. And like you said, as a true, he's taught. I think they're, they might be the same height. Okay. Um, I think they're both six, two. I'll give him a couple. Uh, I'll give him a couple half inches, fraction of an inch over Thielen. Um, yep. But I think you're right. yeah, went yeah, six, two, when he went over 500 yards as a rookie, it was as a straight line outside receiver, 95% of his snaps on the outside. So we're looking for a guy who can come on the field and push either Jefferson or Thielen into the slot. Success for me is Sharp is that guy. He used to clear wide receiver three. Uh, he's got to make the team first, right. <laughs> which is questionable because there's some hungry younger wideouts and he doesn't contribute to special teams all that much. But yeah, I really think as far as the offense is concerned, he's good enough to win that wide receiver job. Production wise, I'd say 35 catches, 400 yards for your third wide receiver. That's on top of hopefully anything Justin Jefferson does on top of hopefully a healthy Adam Thielen. And then we got Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph too. All three of Tajay Sharp's seasons are better than what BC Johnson did as a rookie last year. So this guy is capable of solid wide receiver play if he can get the opportunity. It's just a question of Gary Kubiak. What are you thinking? How much will the Vikings use their third wide receiver? Those are really good points. I mean, I can't argue that anything that, that was said because, and the one thing with Tajay Sharp too is, he, he's coming from an offense that ran a similar style um, in Tennessee in 2019. So yes, he's going to a new offensive coordinator, but at least some of the verbiage and some of this and the, the style is very similar to him, the routes he's going to be asked to run. Um, so that that's at least to me a, a benefit for him. And I'm sure a, a big part of why he chose the Minnesota Vikings outside of the fact that they had just traded some mm-hmm. digs. I'm sure he chose the Vikings too, because there's some familiarity and there's opportunity and a make or break season yeah. for him is like you said, he like just making the teams a, is going to be a big part for that. But I don't see anybody behind him on the roster being better than him this year. Well, I promise you, there are some BC Johnson stands oh, out there that that and aren't like, like talking about Tajay <laughs> Sharp. But um, I'm almost I'm so high on this guy. I'm kind of sad he's here on a one year deal. To be honest. I mean, if he earns it, if he is the wide receiver three, we think he could be. Why not bring him back in 2021? He's only 25. I think he can be that bridge in terms of age with Thielen over 30 now. And they'll need to draft another wide out soon to pair with Jefferson. So Sharp's youth comes in key, too, with that desire to keep and him in purple. Cheap, that's, just, a, that's a big factor yeah, there, too. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, if he's going off like 750 yards, maybe maybe he gets that big contract. But you, you think so? I guess <laughs> my question for you is like, where do you see a ceiling then? Like, obviously, the only way, in my opinion, he'd see something like that is if one of the Jefferson or Thielen were to get injured. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think his ceiling is at 450 to okay. 500 yards. And that's a that's a solid but, season for him, and I, pretty much on par right. with what he's done in his career. So I don't think anybody would be disappointed with that. Right. Yeah. So that's my make or break player, Tajay Sharp. We talked it all. We talked about the Vikings, hopefully a new look offense. We talked about the make or break season for Riley Reef and the make or break season for Tajay Sharp coming up in 2020 as we continue our roster preview series. Miles, thank you so much for joining me. Do you have any closing words? uh skull i guess <laughs> i'm just i'm excited to I, see the vikings get back in i want to see like justin jefferson for example i would love to see how he fares against our dbs and how he looks in this offense yeah i hear you week one three months away we're crossing our fingers praying it happens give us some sports back against the green bay yeah, Packers. That week too, one, that week week one, one. game's gonna be pretty cool it, it, they're getting right to it and until they do, we're going to continue this roster preview series. Hopefully, we'll have some more news. If not, we'll just keep on talking about Dalvin. Whatever y'all want to hear.